Welcome back to another episode of the MRM Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Brandon. Join us as we discuss business, life, and legacy. It's business time. Hey, brother. Hey. How are you? You ready to jam one out? No, I'm, I'm talking about a podcast episode. Yep. Are you ready to jam a podcast episode out? Yes. Where are we going today? I love how you just can't stop with the double entendres. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, you lost me on the second word. Um, I, I had kind of an idea where you're going and then you used oh. a really, I, I think that would have been a million dollar word. That's so funny. Okay. All right. Back on track. KG Focus. Okay. Yeah. It's actor age. Yeah. So we, we decided to do a multi-part series on this topic of recruiting. And last time we, we really dove deep on the idea of onboarding, mm-hmm. having a, a defined process that makes people feel good, yep. makes people feel important, gets them connected to the team in the process as soon as possible, right? Really treats the experience as an important one, which it is. Yeah. And I think one of the things we said was, it's possible that that new person that's starting that day is the most important thing that's happening that day. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So today, part two, I want to dive deep on why would anybody want to work on your company, work yeah. with your company? Yeah. That question is provocative. Yeah. There's a little bit of a salty flair to it, right? Like, why would anybody want to work with your company? Well, because we're awesome, you know, and we family-owned company. And but right. So I want let's dig into that. I think it's a worthwhile exercise. I think I even wrote a blog on this a while back of just routinely as a business owner, taking time to reflect on, like to zoom out to like that 30,000 foot view take your emotion out of it yeah. and really look at your business and say, why would anyone want to work here? Yeah. I think the question is asked fairly often, but not with the intentionality of getting down to the nitty gritty, like getting into the the details, right? Yeah. I think we're all having these kind of on the, on the run conversations in our own head about like, why do people want to work here? I think this is the part that we kind of have to hammer on a little bit is that most of the time, owner operators, entrepreneurs, key leaders, I think a lot of times they're looking at that question and the answers from a far too pragmatic perspective, a utilitarian what, what perspective. Well, why would someone want to work for your business? And you say things like, well, it's fairly competitive pay. We're a family business. We have a family feeling business. Well, they're getting full time work. Right. Do you yeah. hear like these are responses? We offer that, medical. Yeah. We get some medical yeah. benefits. And some of these stand out. But the reality of it is, is, a lot of times when we're asking ourselves this question, we're asking it too much from this perspective of, oh gosh, what more do you want? Mm. Right. Well, you're getting full time work. We're paying you for your time. Like, what else do you really need? And I know that people aren't necessarily having that specific conversation in their head. But if we're honest, with ourselves, how often are we answering that question from a, what, what else do you want? Like, what exactly do you yeah. need? Yeah, you're exactly right. If we're honest with ourselves. Yeah. Because self-deception is a real thing. Oh, man. And it's possible that as owners and leaders, sometimes we can be the most self-deceived because yeah. of our egos. Yeah. Right? And I think the attitude at times, if we're honest with ourselves, is these people that work for me should be grateful. Yeah. They should be more grateful for what I'm doing for them. Yeah. And, and I think we can also fall into the trap because it's real. They don't even understand. We're paying them 18 bucks an hour. They don't understand that our real cost 
is whatever, $20, $25 an hour. So they want more money. They don't realize that bumping them to 25 bucks an hour bumps our cost to 32. Right. Right. And then we raise them to 25 bucks an hour. Well, what does that mean for the rest of our workforce in terms of what we have to bring their wages up to? Like, like I think we can get really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, we really dismiss our people. Like they just don't know how all this works. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they should just be grateful for the job I'm giving them. I'm providing them a livelihood. You bring up a good point. And I think part of it is just remembering who it is that you're selling this idea to. So staying in track of what we're talking about right now, and I think maybe kind of where both of us are going in a different fashion is when we're asking ourselves this question, we're going to have some time to really, I think, dive into some of the answers that people commonly get and really, I think, unpack whether or not this is something of value or not. But but I think we always approach this from this perspective of we're asking ourselves the question And we're trying to answer that question from our perspective, from our vantage point. And if you're a business owner, right? Not everyone can be a business owner because there's a lot of responsibilities and very black and white topics that you're wrestling with that you have to make decisions on. And so as business owners, we're looking at our business and we're looking at the cost efficiencies. We're looking at how does that relate to the 30,000 foot Mm -hmm. view, like what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, part of the element here, I think the juice that we have to tap into is, is your candidate thinking about the business from your perspective? Oh yeah. And the answer is most definitely no. no. They're, they're not even kind of seeing it's it. From what's, your what's in it for me? What's in it for them? Yep. And, and I think all of us kind of get in this position, right? Like I think we've even been in these positions with clients where we have this in-depth understanding of our industry. We, we understand the ins and outs. And so when we go to solve a problem or interact with our client, mm. we're coming preloaded yeah. with all this vetted experience instead of trying to approach the topic from our client's eyes. Because right, wrong, or indifferent, yeah. it's their perception and their perception is their reality. And so all of us get, not all of us, most of us have tried to get better at seeing the world through our clients' eyes. But how often are we answering this question from the eyes of those who we may be trying to recruit or our employees in general, right? This is part of that larger culture conversation. It's not just the exercise of asking the question. It's then saying, okay, when I answer, is the who gives a shit part of that answer, is it relevant to this person I'm potentially hiring. That's that's the filter. That's the lens we want to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Is really just asking ourselves is, and sometimes I think we're not going to be able to perfectly relate to it. No. For many of us as owners, especially, and again, it's that we talked about this a little bit in the last episode of, we are just inherently biased by our success. Like our success what it tells us, what it tells our ego when we have any form of success. So again, for some people that's, they got to where now they're drawing a hundred thousand dollar salary for themselves. Like that's success. Other people would you know, it's 500,000 or it's 50 or everybody has a different success definition. But I think once we start to tap into success, the tendency is to assume that it's a product of what we're doing. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah that we just made all the right choices. So we're successful because of everything that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it prevents us from seeing the things that could be done better, could actually be making us more money, Mm -hmm. could actually aid in lowering our turnover and extending our retention of our people, Mm -hmm. could actually help us recruit more 
mission critical roles. Yeah. Like how much more could we grow, right? If we had the technician staff to be able to respond more quickly to all of the leads and calls that we're exposed to. Right. Right. So, yeah. but I think par- success gets in the way. Um, and so, yeah, what we're talking about is all about us putting on that lens of what is this actually like for a potential employee? Yeah. How did they experience our business? So let's, let's talk about some of the things that commonly, because you and I've been in that leadership seat where we're making decisions about benefits and how yeah. we're going to take care of our employees and what demands and expectations we're going to put on them and stuff. What are the common things that we value as an employer and that we tout you know, with our recruiting? Yeah. Health insurance benefits. Which many of us out there are, aren't able to provide. Yeah. I remember from us crossing that threshold. It went 20, 20 employees-ish. Oh, no. we I think we Past were above that. that at that point. We were probably in the 30, 35 range. But this was the scariest thing about making that decision. And for a lot of the people listening right now, they may be in this seat right now, was there was no way to guarantee what that cost looked like. Oh, that was, yeah. Right? So I think for the first three years post us crossing that threshold and committing to providing a medical benefit option, I think almost immediately the following three years, we had somewhere between 20 and 35% rate increases every single year that were not part of the use variable. That was just market conditions essentially changing what carriers were charging. Then our claims just blew us out of the water right what, the, like the fourth year or something right so it's like okay we added this benefits package yeah with the intent that our our people could use it right that's yeah. the point of medical insurance right. and then so they use it and then we essentially there was penalties cost penalties that is a scary thing to add to your overhead right but it is one of those go-to benefits like once you cross this threshold you're a legitimate company in quotation marks but i just remember that being a scary thing to add and how it was painful for three or four years as we continued to grow and And, and it doesn't matter how much you communicate the cost and how big of an investment this is for the company and how much of a opportunity cost or sacrifice it is like we we did some education to the team we we were educating them on look this is a minimum, this is a brand new like $100,000 expense or whatever it was. Do employees ever care about that? It's hard for them to place. It's hard for them to even have a context for it. Which I think is Because who are they taking care of? Their own families. Yeah, totally. Right? It's not. Yeah. And I think naturally there is a feeling of entitlement. Yeah. That every employee is going to feel like, because they all have friends somewhere that get health insurance with their job. And I think there is some feeling of expectation, which is really hard as an owner or yeah. a leader. Yeah. Right. Anybody who's in charge of the PL that is responsible for that, it's hard that people aren't grateful yes. for those really expensive yeah. things that you do. Right. Right. Like I remember us having like like addressing that many times as a leadership team. Yep. Even though we weren't ultimately writing that check. Right. Like we still felt the full weight of that responsibility. And it's like, man, people just don't understand. Like what other things could we do with that 200? At at one point, you know, that 150 or 200K company spending. Yeah. Like all the things that could be spent on elsewhere, not the least of which is bonuses and compensation and all that (laughs) stuff, right? right? Like it connected with us, but it never did fully with the employees. And that was hard. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we we started with here is just this idea of as owners owner operators, 
key leaders, you guys are looking at the PL and you understand the financial commitment and impact of providing this medical benefit. But again, we understand that leaders, we understand the position you're in. However, we got to play good enough to beat the ref. And really in order for us to do that, we have to look at this from the average employees or the average prospect's eyes. And honestly, I hate to say this, yeah. this is a check the box item. Most people are going to anticipate that a company is providing at least for the employee themselves, some portion of that A, medical coverage is available and B, some portion of it is covered by the company. Like again, and we understand for those listening, you guys vary in size from small single owner operators to very large, robust organizations. And the reality of it is, is this is one of those benefits that quickly falls into the expectation category. And so let's keep going. Let's identify a couple other ones, but... Yeah, I guess I would just, to close the loop on this health insurance thing, is it a benefit? Is it a perceived benefit by the employee? Yeah. Because we tout this a lot. We offer, we pay 50% of the employees things or even 100% of the employees. And maybe some of you, maybe there is an outlier out there that covers employee and spouse. Pretty rare. I don't hear about that much anymore. Companies are able to cover that, especially in our industry, but... Mm -hmm. But the answer is, it's really not a benefit yeah. to your average employee. Yeah. It's seen as an expectation. And in a lot of markets, your competitors are already offering or doing the same thing. Yeah. So it, why would somebody come want to work at your company? It's not because of the health insurance. Yeah. Let's and just be honest. It, it, in most cases. Most cases. Not. Most yeah. cases. And that's for you to like look at. I mean, because maybe it is in your market. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not customary. Yeah. And that is an edge. Great. Document that. Yep. Consider that. Okay, that is a legitimate benefit. Great. But for a lot of you, it's not. Okay, so yeah, what else? What other things do we tout as our workplace? Well, I think the meeting the minimum standards with vacation sick time. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I think in general, there's some bare minimums, right? That as operators, we have to hit the mark on in regards to some form of PTO or, or yeah. sick time or family leave, right? There's some minimum standards that you're hitting or, or when folks list out the holidays yeah. that they provide paid yeah. time off for, mm-hmm. right? Again, I think there's an opportunity. Eventually, we're going to kind of circle in. What are some ideas of some things to add to the roster that are low cost or cost effective? I think we just have to consider with the time off, with the PTO packages, when we're meeting bare minimums, we're probably not really standing out in any way. And again, like all of this is coming from the perspective. We understand the real life financial impact of us making these kinds of commitments to our workforce. We just, what we're trying to do with this conversation is just be very clear about looking at it from a prospect's perspective. Yeah. And where we're going to go with this conversation is uh, we want to explore what are the way in 2021 when we have all the challenges of recruiting that we do, it, it, quote, is what it is, Yeah, right? We have this reality we're dealing with. Yep. What can we do to win in this reality? Right. Stand out. What can we do to be a company that people want to stay at and want to come to? Yep. What can we legitimately do that's an actual differentiator? That's where we're headed with this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Like paid time off. And let's talk about that a little bit because... I think the reality with, with vacation time in our industry, it's hard. It's hard to take Especially it. those of you, those of you that work in smaller 
companies. Maybe you've got three techs, mitigation manager, you've got an office manager, an estimator, and a, a couple trade technicians. You got a team of eight or 10. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to actually take vacation for any of you? Yeah. How hard does that feel? Right. Now, right. You get the right systems in place. You get the right procedures and training and so forth. It's, it's absolutely doable, but it's the nature of the industry. Yeah. It's difficult to take time off. And for your other key leaders, sometimes it can feel not worth it. All of us yeah, have that conversation where, where yeah. as a mitigation manager or as an estimator, or especially in these smaller companies where there's only eight or 10 of you. Yeah. There's nobody to just pass that workload off to. Honestly, nine times out of 10, we were fielding questions and managing conversations around employees just trying to cash out. So again, it's like, we're not trying to break, break anybody down on these hard-earned, hard-paid-for benefits that we're attempting to provide to our employees. But again, does this make you stand out? Not at all, right? Really not because really. most companies are going to have some version of this. And oh, by the way, it's just a really tricky industry to even take advantage of some of these benefits, yeah. right? That we tout. Yeah. What, what else? What, what else? Do we I think the about? pay range thing, this is kind of like the go-to competitive marker. Yeah. And I think you and I, this may have even actually come up in, this, in the previous episode on that onboarding piece. And we were talking about job postings and the fact that you can right now jump on Indeed and review a job posting in a market or all the job postings in, yeah. in a market. And you're going to see that really at the end of the day, you've got to meet the pay window just to even show up on the radar. Mm. So even our competitive pay in quotation marks, again, we understand how hard it is to provide a real competitive wage in the market right now. Mm. But again, does that stand out? Is it any different than anybody else and their 15 listings on Indeed right now? And the answer is, unfortunately, no. Right. It's a minimum marker. Like if you're not willing to be competitive with your pay, you're not hiring anybody. Yeah. And from a practical standpoint, one of the things that we've been consulting clients to do is you need to match the range oh, yeah. of what's happening in your market. There's no benefit to you if you're posting a, a job from 14 to 19 bucks an hour and you've got a competitor that's, that's posting a range on a mitigation tech of 18 to 22 bucks an hour. There's nothing in it for you to, to hunker down in that 14 to nine. Like you need to up your range. Yeah. This is just the nature of the world right now. It is, right? It is, yeah. There's other, like do, some people do health savings account contributions. There's all these other versions of yeah. the things we've been talking about. Yeah. But let's, I think we got the message across, which is, hey, all these things that you thought were a benefit are likely not perceived as yeah. a benefit. It's just a minimum, like you're anting into just this, you pay to play. Yeah. We pay to play in this industry. And if you're lucky enough, I, I don't even know if I'd say lucky enough, but you happen to be in one of those markets where your competitors aren't doing anything for their employees. Well, lucky you. Yeah. But there's going to come it's a time. Likely. And here's the other reality we're facing. You, you may have a bunch of small operators, or whatever, that aren't doing these benefits, but undoubtedly you have other companies in the service sector that are also going after right. your technician, estimator, admin employees. Right. They want that talent yep. just as much as your competitors do. And they may have those things in place. So anyway, yep. it's a pay-to-play part of our business. So how do we differentiate? So I think before we tap into this 
full-fledged. I think one of the things to remember here is that because some of the things that you and I are going to talk about right now are very internal, meaning it's hard for a prospect on the outside to see these things happening. Mm. Okay? Okay. So with that in mind, part of what we alluded to in a previous episode was this idea that your best recruiters are actually going to be your own team members. Because what's happening is we look at job posting markets, we look at LinkedIn profiles, we can look at all these things and it's noise. It's noise across the board. We've already talked about wage comparisons and all those things. Like if you're not meeting the pack, you're not even looked at. So the differentiator is going to come from someone within your ranks being so diehard and so bought in to your team, your culture, your brand, your family, whatever you want to call it, that they want to attract other people in their sphere of influence, family, friends, yeah. people at the counter at Home Depot, whatever. And how does that message get out? That's and this yep. is this is new and emerging. And I've done a little bit of poking around on our clients and just in the industry. And actually, right, I've looked at companies when you search for a company, yeah, like before I went to go work for Belfour, a recent career position. I looked at their glass door profile. Exactly. And many of the applicants that you're trying to get their attention right. now, right. they're Googling your company. And yeah. Glassdoor is one of the things that's coming up. And remember, SEO and all those things, not only is it coming up, but it's coming up all the time and it's right at the top. Right at the top of the list. Top of the list. Right? Yeah. But that's something you have a certain measure of control over. Even if you don't pay to like do the whole premium thing on Glassdoor, you can certainly encourage your happy employees to go post about their experience on Glassdoor. And you should. If you haven't done that, you need to take a really proactive stance with with things like Glassdoor. Hey, and just for the sake of connecting the dots, right? We're pretty aggressive about that. So let me just kind of map out a little bit where we're going right now. So remember this, this perspective, guys. We are talking about the fact that those benefit check the box benefits that we're all working very hard to provide, understand they're not setting the tone for difference or differentiation. So what we're talking about here is actions, attitudes, behaviors, Mm -hmm. some actual formal type benefits of sorts that you can add to the roster to create a differentiation between you and your competitor. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about right now with this whole glass door thing and our behavior and how we manage it and we proactively engage it, well, this would be the point where one of the teachers stamps their foot. This is one of the items that we're saying this can help create a differentiation between you and your competitors. An awesome looking glass door profile. Man. It can make all the difference. And my gut says, because we were in this position multiple times, my gut says either half of you or more don't understand what Glassdoor is and you have not given it any level of prioritization whatsoever. And remember, it matters. It doesn't matter if you're a 100-person company, if you're a five-person company. Glassdoor cares. They are going to come up when people are searching for company names. And your prospects are more sophisticated now and have more tools available to them for their choice making than ever in our history. Yeah. Don't fall in the trap of, well, not my employees. The technician people don't look at this. No, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Like everybody's been forced to get more savvy with that stuff. And so are your applicants and your yeah. candidates. And I would go as far as saying, you know, the applicants you want are savvy enough. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so if... If you're not worried about it because the people you're going after aren't smart enough to look at something like that or be that proactive, well, you're going to get exactly what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, totally. 
we're going to dive into some ideas. Some of them are going to be practical things that you spend money on that you yeah. choose to offer that, that are different from what the rest of the market's doing. Yeah. But a big part of the opportunity in front of us as restoration leaders and owners is really being mindful of and strategic about how we make people feel. Man. And we talk a lot about that. Lots. But we talk a lot about the fact that in the delivery of our services, our nuts and bolts services, the most important attribute to the service experience we're providing is how we're managing how that customer feels, how the adjuster feels in the process of working yep. with us, yep. how our subs feel in conjunction. And if we go back to Danny Meyer, which we talked about on our last uh, episode, right? He talks about this virtuous cycle of enlightened hospitality that it must begin with us extending that enlightened hospitality, that customized experience, the way we make our employees feel. Mm -hmm. Because we're modeling for them how we want them to treat our clients. And I would venture to say in the service sector, particularly in the trades, construction, this is not something we talk about enough. Okay, so how we make people feel. Yep, it's massive. I, I think one of just the random ideas that we've talked about and we've implemented mm -hmm. uh, at previous companies is this idea of family meal, mm -hmm. eating together. Mm -hmm. And it's tricky in our industry, right? Mm -hmm. It's time on the clock. Yep. It's payroll expense. Right. And not only that, it's the opportunity cost of just pulling people out of the field, finding time, making time to eat together is hard to prioritize. We get it. Like we've talked about this in running companies. It's hard to make that choice, but boy, does it have an impact. Yep. This idea. So what we did is once a quarter, the leadership team we would do a pancake breakfast, eggs, bacon, pancakes, yep. Bisquick, yeah. easy peasy. We'd bring the hot plates, we'd plug it in, we'd set up Coleman stove, four or five, an L-shaped four or five tables. Yeah. And all of us would get aprons on and we'd show up to the shop at 5.30, 6 a.m. And we'd, yeah. as a team, we'd start prepping the meal. Yeah. And then as employees, they, they knew from 7.30 a.m. until loadout or yeah. 7 a.m. till loadout, we would be serving breakfast. We had music on and it was so fun. It was fun. I mean, I, I remember being fun oh, as a team. Like tons, we yeah. had a lot of fun together putting it on. Yeah. But I think it was one of those things that employees look forward to. Yeah. And from a cost perspective, it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. And honestly, I think I think we were working our way towards more of a once a month kind of gig. Yeah. And I know, like for large teams, man, we're talking about some serious payroll, right? Every half hour, you're yeah. uh, definitely seeing the till ring a bit. But in general, guys, this is a low cost yeah. way to treat your employees. But it's about what you do with the time is yeah. really the kicker. So if you check the box with this, if you show up haphazardly, you barely give it any attention, you throw the food down everybody's throat and everybody jumps in a truck and moves on for the day, I would tell you, you probably could have not done it and it would have the same impact. In yeah. fact, it may be better. Yeah. Because as soon as we do something with this pencil whip, check the box kind of mentality, everyone's experience matches that. They see it, they feel it. They comprehend it and it does nothing to benefit the team. We Okay, so this, this is an area where you and I, over the years, we've wrestled a little bit mm. on, you know, mm -hmm. how big do we go with this stuff? Yeah. How special yep. do we make it? Yep. Because my tendency, this is how we complement one another in a lot of ways, I can tend to get too spun out on the details 
and the experience to where you, you can optimize it to the nth degree yeah. for the experience. You just keep, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we're not doing bisquick, crappy pancakes like everybody else. No, we're going to like, we're going to make it from scratch. Like, you know, you can take things too far, but I think something that is important is, yeah, when you just whip it together and with little thought, you may think, again, it comes from this mindset of they should be grateful. Yes. Like yeah. we can get into that mode of they should be grateful we're giving them free breakfast. Yeah. It's like, okay, hold on. Yeah. What are we trying to model? There we go. For our people. Right. And that level of detail and introspection is really important. Yeah. If you're trying to create something special. Yeah. If you're really trying to actually stand out from your com- competition in terms of the service you provide clients, if you're serious about that, then you have to be serious about it. There's that, that one saying, I don't know if it's like a Buddhist saying or something, but it's how you do one thing is how you, do, how everything. We do everything. Yeah. And I think we just, we underestimate how much our employees notice yeah. the little things. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. So let's, okay. So let's use this example. Okay. It's a simple tactic. It's a, look, call it family meal. I love that description of it. And there's it, a bunch of ways idea. to do it, right? It could be a barbecue, get some totally. hot links. Totally. Smoke something on the barbecue, whatever the case may be. Here's the point. The point is to suck it up, be okay with the fact that you're going to have some folks on payroll that aren't producing something for you in that moment. And that's okay. For small shops, small outfits where it's really maybe the owner, maybe owner spouse, right? Owner partner is the ones putting on the breakfast. So it's only you that you have to be prepared to do this well. Get engaged, smile, talk to your people, be enthusiastic, ask them non-work related questions, poke at them jar at them, right? Have fun with this. Do your homework. Like when that employee walks in the door, be prepared to say something, recognize something about them that's different from everybody else. And if you're a big shop and you have lots of employees, then take the time to prepare your leadership to share that burden with you, right? So there's not anyone better than to have specific things to say about their team than let's say your mitigation manager. So proactively sit down and prepare the activity with your mit manager and talk about the fact that, hey, this is what I'm looking for here, right? We're here to serve our employees. We're here to make them feel special and stand out. Can you prepare for your five technicians? Will you make sure you have at least one thing that's specific to each one of them that you share as they walk in the door? right? Make them feel as if it's the first time you've seen them in six months and you're more excited to see them than anyone else that's ever walked through that door. You're, dude, you're hitting on a really critical behavior that I think we executed well on together. Certainly could have executed even harder and better, right? but we, this was part of our culture was that specific personal input and feedback. Yep. You were great at it. A lot of the people on our leadership team, it was a priority in our business. But I think there's there's like a whole nother level there that you're talking about, which is pre-planning interactions with our team. Completely. And I think it can it can feel like a lot because we have so many things tugging at our sleeve. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. But the simple behavior of before an all-company meeting, before even in some cases morning stand to, mm-hmm. right? The night before checking in with our leaders as an owner or a general manager and saying, hey, I'm going to be dropping by the morning stand to tomorrow. 
And I really want to be able to encourage your team. Give me some nuggets on each person on your team. Yeah. Give me something that I can comment about. Yeah. Right. Oh, so-and-so just got their water cert. Awesome. Okay. So-and-so just got, had a client refer another job right after they did, you know, stabilization for another customer. Throw wow. it on the board. That's yep. awesome. Yep. Okay. And doing some of that pre-work because, man, we often underestimate the power that we have as an owner, a general manager, right. a mitigation manager. Right. And it just goes down through the ranks, right? Because as a mitigation manager, maybe, you have, maybe you're big enough to where it's not just you and your techs. You've yeah. got a lead tech or you've got a supervisor that goes out and is kind of helping manage the team. Every single time we take the care to do that pre-work and then show up and affirm our people, we're modeling we're modeling to them what they're going to do when they become the yeah, leader. That's huge. Yeah. This is a long-term strategy that has short-term big results. Big time. It's, you're creating the opportunity to perpetuate the foundation right, that you're putting into place. The yeah. actions that you're, you're teaching these team members now is the same stuff that they will carry on into the future and then teach their downlines once they become more responsible or that. And I learned this and maybe you saw this model by leaders in the military or other companies that you worked for. But I I first saw this in Cutco when I was selling knives as a 19, 20 year old. I saw that those little conversations in the back of the room between our vice president and the general manager of that territory, I saw them preparing each other. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd see them branch out and then they'd go talk to one of their sales reps. Yep. Hey, you know, I was talking with, uh, with JP and he said that you were top dog in the office last week. Yep. Wow. Nice job. Well, you hear that from Bruce Goodman, the guy who oversees 10,000 sales reps on the West Coast. That feels really good. Wait, Bruce is talking to me? Right. JP, my manager was talking to Bruce about me? Right. That's the differentiator. Oh, right. This is what we're talking about. That now, for a lot of us, we don't categorize this as benefit. And you know what? Your employee doesn't put it into the black and white benefit category, but they're perceiving the difference. Mm. And this is what we're talking about. When we say the things that you can be doing to differentiating yourself, you guys, it may not be anything that falls in the benefit column, but your employee, your internal client is benefiting from the way that you're taking care of them and treating them. And these are the differentiator makers. These are the ones that make people stick around when you like them. And this also makes people come to you because your internal team's going, you have to work here. This is the place. They're getting sick and tired of hearing their friend bitch and complain about their employer. And so they're recruiting them. By the way, the only way this strategy or this tactic or behavior works is when it's done consistently. It's like everything else. Consistency is the culture maker. Right. Right. So like (laughs) so many of these things work so good, you stop doing them. (laughs) But if you build it into your system, so here's an example of how do you build that kind of affirmation, those kind of feelings in your system? Well, we talk a lot about battle rhythms with our clients, right? Oh yeah. And it could be one of the most important things we implement with our clients. Yeah. So what does this look like if we're following the same train of thought or this example is it needs to be defined on your calendar. Your entire team, if you're small, all one of you, if you're a big team, all your key leaders need to understand this is coming, which means they need to protect their employee's schedule. Your client does not know what you're doing on Friday morning with your team. All they know is you'll be at their residence at 9 a.m. as scheduled. Yeah. 
right? So the other thing that I'm hearing people say already in the back of their minds is, how am I going to get everybody out of the field at the same time? You do it early in the morning, right? Or you do it late afternoon, whatever. Your clients do not know what's happening behind the scenes. They don't know if your team's heading to another job. They don't know. Back to the office. But what they will know is they'll know that they've got the right team showing up at their job when your employees are mirroring how well you take care of them by how well they take care of your clients. It's so true. It's so true. So let's get down. This is something that people listening can implement right now, tomorrow. Right. 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 Morning stand to. Yep. So we don't need to get in the full nuts and bolts of what takes place in a morning stand to, but this is the time where you are holding the standard, right? You're reviewing, in addition to reviewing the jobs and making assignments, who's going where, all that kind of stuff. We're inspecting vehicles. We're making sure that vehicles are properly ready for the day, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things we can also incorporate in that stand to are these affirmations. Yep. This is the mm-hmm. primary role of the mitigation manager. It's not like, again, it comes back to how we make people feel. It's mission critical to dole out the assignments for the day, to get clear on what's our work, what are we trying to accomplish in terms of the nuts and bolts tasks. But the most important role is that that mitigation manager comes to that meeting with an affirmative statement for every single person on that team, ideally. Now, do we miss it here and there? Of course. But how hard is it for us to just sit at the end of our day and be like, all right, what good happened? What are the challenging things that I need to train around? What are the learning opportunities and training opportunities I need to log and follow up with on my team? And what were the good things that happened? Where were people following our process successfully? Where were people going above and beyond? What are the stories that came out of yesterday of people really caring for a client? And sometimes it can be the team. Right. And and caring for the team. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes maybe the thing that we're noting or affirming is a team's behavior in general. Just be specific about what you noted. It has to be specific or it doesn't matter. And the thing is, as a standard, if you're giving somebody an attaboy or attagirl and it's not specific, it's like, oh, you know, you're a really great part of this team. Okay. Why? What? Who who cares? Yeah. No, you're an important part of this team. Because of your attention to detail, like I can always count on you of, of checking every box. You are somebody that doesn't cut corners. And I appreciate that about you. Mm-hmm. Like you set the standard for our team in following the process. Like it's obvious you understand why we do this stuff because you do it every time. Dude, I got That's an attaboy. That's, that's what do they say? Severe and <laughs> clear and severe. Clear and severe. Dude, I got to add something to that. And it's this is that. You and I, and I can't remember what book or what speaker, right? We're kind of over the top with a lot of the stuff is, is that we caught onto this idea that you could actually speak into place, speak into reality, someone's ability or strength. And this sounds totally hocus pocus, but hear me out. I have had many experiences where an employee, I heard them out loud, make a comment a couple times about, I'm just horrible at, at the details or I'm, you know what, I'm just horrible at paying attention or, or follow through or whatever, mm. right? Whatever the thing is, yeah, right? I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. And when what I started experimenting with was actually giving these individuals specific feedback where I noted that they actually did that thing really well. Now, here's what I didn't do. You know how you always say, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't believe you. What I think is, that's not what I did. Total blindside. 
It would just be, I took mental note of this individual putting themselves down in whatever way. And what I did actually is when I, I had this conversation with that individual, I would note specifically and give an example of how, where they did that thing really well. And Find then evidence. Totally found evidence. And then I made the comment, man, I have just noticed how you are consistently really good with this. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, and this is not BS. I have a handful of times noticed an immediate change in that individual's behavior. And from that moment on, they actually were really good and consistent at the thing I drew out. And here's the mindset that gets in the way of that, that we as leaders and owners can easily fall into. They're supposed to do that thing anyways. (laughs) I'm paying them to do that good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the attitude that keeps us from recognizing good behavior. But the recognition of right behavior is what all of us get off on. Who cares if you're expected or not? Right. Call out the good behavior. And and so we can get caught up in looking for the really cool thing to comment on. Yeah. And I think what you and I've learned over the years is comment on all of the positive things. Yep. Attitudes, behaviors. Hey, your rig looks really, dude, you, your rig's really organized. Yeah. It's supposed to be. And it is. Yeah. Call out every positive thing because that is, that is a hang up for a lot of mitigation managers or any leaders is I don't know what to call out. Or leaders saying, I'm no good at this thing. Yeah. I'm no good at giving compliments and all that kind of stuff. And I'd say part of where we're going with this, I think, series of episodes is less about what items you put in the column, whether it's this benefit or that benefit. What we're trying to say is that the true differentiating factors are the leaders who stop making excuses for being poor at appreciating their people and they start dialing in whatever is required to get good at it. Because if you don't, your company is going to die on the vine because the companies that get really good at showing people they appreciate them will keep them. They will get them and you won't. So stop giving yourself an excuse that you're no good at doing this or that, you know, you're, you're old school. You, you're, you're part of the old school group that just wanted to work hard because they're principled. Well, cool. Yeah. But are you trying to attract yourself? Because I think you're already on the team. Yeah. What are you doing to attract the talent that's in the market right now looking for work? Yeah. And you have to get good at this. This is a non-negotiable, yeah. right? Non-negotiable. And I would also just call bullshit. You know, it's funny. We all like to think, well, I don't need a pat on on the back. I don't need any of that. And I've had clients that have told me, I'm like, bullshit, you're lying. Yeah. You'd function better if you got some encouragement and affirmation a little more often. Yeah. And I don't care. You you try and tell me you don't want encouragement and affirmation from your spouse. Yeah. Or, you know what? Your kids. Yeah, you're lying You're lying. You've learned to make do maybe without that. Right. You've learned to function without that. Okay, well, that's not the same. Your people and everybody else on the planet functions better when they're appreciated. Yeah. Period. And you notice them. Yes. You notice them. Right? So, so again, but it's so important, right? That's why we incorporate that into the morning stand too, because it's like clockwork. It's like, it's like religion. We go to church every Sunday morning. Well, just in the morning stand too, people grow to expect, people grow to expect that shot in the arm, that yeah. positive injection yeah. Yeah. before they head out into all the crappy jobs that right. we do. Right. And here's the other thing. We're kind of probably beating a dead horse, but here's the other thing. I see more leaders trying to focus their attention on, you know what, this week I'm going to draw a hard line. I'm going to be more disciplined in how I hold my team accountable. 
All those things are great. Those are, I am not saying it's you don't do that, but please understand this is not an either or equation. Mm. This is a both and. So yes, you are going to get better at developing systems that you follow. Yes, you should get better at identifying your KPIs and holding your team accountable. Yes, you should draw more clear lines in the sand and you should get really good at noticing your people and affirming them when they do the right things. But here's the bottom line piece with this or the... This is why it's valuable to you besides the obvious. People are more likely to hear you compliment someone else's attitude and behavior, take note of it, and mirror it because they want the same affirmation from you. There's more contagion built around that concept than there ever is of five people watching you chew someone's ass for something that they shouldn't have done, right? It's like your return from your time spent from that is so much more contagious. You will get so many more legs from that versus chewing on someone in public, which by the way, that's another topic, but you should use that extremely sparingly. And for the most part, there may be brief moments in time where a team actually needs a collective ass chewing, but in general, you praise in public and you discipline in private. Like I just... Those of you out there can push back on that if you want. I'm just going to tell you from nearly two decades of leading people, actually more than two and a half decades. Who's it, done their fair bit of public ass chewing oh, at times. I was really rad at it, actually. <laughs> and my, fan, my uh, military days made me really good at it. Anyways, we're kind of... No, this is good. This is important. This is really... We could talk... We will talk a lot more about this because what you're also referencing is the holding people accountable and providing clear and severe feedback is also a gift that employees appreciate. But but this isn't something we talk about a lot, is that employees deserve to know where they stand. And we all function better when we know where we stand. When we're looking over our shoulder, where, where the drama comes in our business is when people don't know where they stand. They don't know inside whether they're doing well or not, or what people, what their manager, the boss, or the owner thinks of them. Yeah. Whenever there's question marks on that side of things too, like, tell me how I'm doing. If I'm doing crappy, people want to know. They want to hear it. And when they know they're not doing their best or when they know that they're screwing up a lot right now and nobody's saying it in the moment, scares the shit out of them. Yep, totally. So people are showing up to work on pins and needles. So there is actually an employee benefit. Like, well, you and I've seen this and we sure as hell have felt it as employees in other roles is that the best, the healthiest environments that people want to be in is where they know where they stand, they can enjoy their successes, and they can also, they also are in an environment where they feel like they're growing and making progress right. because when they're screwing things up, somebody tells them about it yep. and gives them the feedback so that they can recalibrate and change. Like that's a healthy environment and people want to be in healthy environments. And again, with that, it's clear. We're being clear and we're being specific. Yep. It's not you as your identity. It's not you as a person. Yep. It's this thing is a weakness. Let's get yep. better at this thing specifically. Yep. It's funny that kind of the direction that you're going, because these all kind of build on each other. But guys, for all of you out there kind of listening, maybe some of you are still waiting to hear the benefit, the specific benefit that we're going to unleash on you and it's going to save you. The point is this, guys, it's the way that we're treating our people. It's the, it's the nuance. It's the way that we're communicating. These are the benefits. 
These don't cost you a ton more money. These are not some rocket science methods that you're adding to the roster, guys. These actually are the benefits. This is the work environment types, the work environment contributors that are going to make you have more success in your recruitment and your retention. This is what we're talking about. These are the bullets. And you talking about ensuring that employees know where they stand. Let's add a little bit of meat on the bone there. So again, it's the clear and severe thing. I love when you coin that, like I love that clear and severe. But here's some other elements of this. One of the things that we've seen our clients have just an absolute ton of success in, not just in their training methodology, which we talked about in a previous episode, but it's the intake and the behavior of the employee when a clear training map or when a clear performance map is developed and given to them is they get the keys, right? They, they, control. they know. It's not a cryptic formula that only the leaders understand and and they get to deploy it kind of heavy-handed over here and sometimes not so heavy-handed. The point is, is that if a new employee or someone on your team knows my career path, a tech one has to have these things done. A tech two has to have these certifications and accomplishments. Tech three needs to have these competencies. You see what I'm saying? Mm. When we map for our employees, what a career path can look like. And then we give them the form, the keys, the map, and they can see, oh, I need to be really proactive in bringing my containment game up and getting a signature on containment. I need to be really diligent next week on gear play, whatever, right? You can go through all the variables. The point is, is employees that are on teams where they know what actions they can take and the behaviors that they can mirror that will help them get pay increases, move up in job and title and scope, have a clear career path within your organization. These are the kinds of things that people want. Mm. These are the benefits people want to experience. Yeah, nothing's hidden. It's not hidden. Nothing's hidden. This is also how you avoid the whole ivory tower thing, man, as you grow. And we struggle with this at times. Oh, as man. we were growing, we, we had these periods of time where there was a lot of questioning of what the leadership is doing. Why are we making this decision? Why are we, and, and that is usually a product of we just don't have an open line of There's secretiveness yep. that develops, yep. right? Let's have a little fun time talking about some other fun ideas. Sure. Okay. Because I think ultimately we're going we're gonna to come back to this other thing, but what are some other things that we can do that are actually value added? And some of these will make more sense for those of you that have maybe a larger business. Some of these will make more sense for those of you who really just starting out and you're trying to get creative and bootstrapping, right? Yeah. I think one of the ideas that we've heard tossed around in circles that we're fans of, and actually we were taking some steps um, at previous companies to be able to implement something like this, and we didn't quite get there, but student loan forgiveness yeah. is something that is really picking up steam in a lot of other industries. Yeah, And I think our industry is really ripe for that, right? Yeah. There's an opportunity to, to create a timeline for that kind of benefit that yep. ties people into the company. It gives them something to work for, yep. right? Where maybe there's, a, instead of a sign-on bonus, which is coming really popular too, you have a debt forgiveness program where once somebody's been with you for a year, you know the company will forgive up to so much of your student loans mm-hmm. and pay off student loans for you, right? So that's becoming a really common benefit. Yeah. And we're going to run the gambit here. Everything from expensive to 
yeah. dirt cheap. So we're just, but we're that's just something that, ideas. yeah. And I think one of the reasons why debt forgiveness, again, this is not just a restoration industry thing. I just don't hear a lot of restoration companies talking about that. Yeah. But one of the things that companies like about that benefit is that you can decide how much. Yeah. It's not saying we're going to pay off a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. No. Right. But based on the size of your company, based on your P and L, right? You can decide. And the cool thing is you can always grow it over time, yep. right? As the scale of your company grows, your mm-hmm. profitability gets to where you want it. Mm-hmm. You can increase that benefit. As you find it to be a great retention tool, a recruiting tool, you can, you know, grow it, whatever. Yeah. I think another one is different types of non-industry training. Uh, so for instance, and again, this is all over the board, but one of the things that we saw was just kind of a, every company's frontline employees. Okay. Not every, the majority of them are struggling a lot are yeah. Friday to Friday. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily because of their wage. A lot of them are Friday to Friday because of behaviors, because of a lack of knowledge and experience and a lack of training. Yeah. And so things like a basic home finance class, how difficult would it be for you to find an online or maybe a local market company that could partner with you and provide, maybe it's a one hour, a couple evenings in the week or for a week, whatever the case may be, either you're purchasing this pre-package, you're working with someone to deliver it, and you're giving your team members access to a home finance class. My, right? my wife and I, years ago, a friend introduced us to a Dave Ramsey certified financial planner. Yeah. And, and we paid like $199 to have a few meetings with them. And they like taught us how to kind of refine our budget and gave us strategies and stuff for how to get out of debt. Right. It was super helpful. Right. We actually ended up getting out of all of our personal debt through that process. And man, is there a better feeling, right? Oh man. And how many of our frontline, how many of all of our employees are just buried in debt? Yeah. How many times do we process draws against their paychecks because yeah. they're just like their life is in financial chaos right. perpetually? Right. So, yeah, could we provide them those resources? I mean, the win win for you and your team is that you, you know, people think the answer is to make another dollar an hour when the foundation is what's cracked and leaking. Right. Like that extra dollar an hour is not doing a whole lot to actually build up water. It's just leaking right through the dam. And so again, this there's long-term wins from this, not just getting more from your people because they're more present and less stressed out about their financial situation. But these are life-changing pieces of information. It it can make them just healthier in general. Right. Yeah. And again, we talked about this last time. It's it's so gratifying. It taps into this legacy thing, right? Of helping take, and it's not just our doing, right? It's it's their doing. Mm -hmm. Like they have to buy into this stuff in order for it to have value, but it's in taking our people from where they are, coming into the company and helping them move to an entirely different place. I mean, I, as I say those words, all of these faces pop up in my head. Yeah. Just all of them. And it is so gratifying. I get this rush of dopamine come over me, right? Even just thinking about those people, you got to talk about that leadership academy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, man, that was, it was an exciting experience. So, so cool. 
you know, that I kind of nerd out on this stuff. And so part of it's in my wheelhouse. So it was pretty exciting. But, you know, we were fortunate too. We have access to friends and vendors and people that influenced our company and our lives that we could tap into too for information. But basically, our team decided it would be really important for us to establish an internal leadership academy. And so this was a basic, this particular version that we put on was we deemed it kind of leadership basics. And the idea here was to raise the bar for our downline personnel in preparation for them being more equipped to move up the ranks within our organization and take on additional levels of responsibility. And really what we saw with this was this idea that Honestly, it just kind of raised their own expectations on themselves. And so even if they weren't immediately moving into some mid-tier leadership role, they just led their peers better. They led themselves better. They did a better job being integrated into the mission and vision that we had for the company. And I've had multiple people that have walked through that coursework with us note it as one of the things that really had a a long-term impact on their ability to grow as an individual kind of besides the point, but that's part of the reward of it, right? If you take this on. But from a real cost perspective, guys, this was a volunteer basis. We did it after hours, off the clock. It was time commitment on my part as a leader is really what this boiled down to. But we did formalize it. There was handouts, there was books, there was homework, there was, what time um, was certificates. It? Was it five until six or seven? Yeah, we did about six o'clock in the evening. That gave us the highest chance that our teams would be back out from the field and they might be able to throw a burger in their neck or something like that before we, we met. We did bring food, but it wasn't a full meal. Yeah. It was kind of sat, snacks and supplement kind of thing. But yeah, we did this multiple nights a week. It was a couple hours at a time. And if I remember right, it was about 12 weeks. Yeah. So it was a pretty significant commitment. But again, this was volunteer basis. So people had access to it. It was not forced on them. It was not mandatory. And so their participation was awesome. Because when they chose to prioritize it and participate, it was on their own free will. They wanted to do it. Again, this was a very cost-effective way. And for those of you that don't feel strong enough to do that or to create that curriculum on your own, again, reach out to your local market because there's vendors and partners that want to help spend money right? Who's your local equipment dealer or your local consumables dealer? Mm -hmm. See if they're willing to sponsor your guys' coursework or your class or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. There are very cost-effective ways to partner with local folks that want time in front of your people. And and I think too, you're really good at putting that stuff together. Like you're really good at like mapping it out and not everybody is. Yeah. Pick a John Maxwell book Totally. And break down the chapters. Yeah, exactly. Go back to your high school or college days and outline the chapter and pull out the highlight. Just make a simple curriculum. Buy a box of those books. That's your textbook for the thing, right? We, we don't have to be fancy. Yeah, it's, we're not, it's not a college degree. You don't, You're not, you don't have to be Brandon <laughs> to, well. to pull that off. No, but I mean, really, I mean, you like you built a curriculum for that 12-week thing yeah. and it was super intentional but I think for it to be high value, it doesn't have to be that customized. It's all about the pre-planning, being yep. intentional, yep. having a plan, yep. having it feel really thought out. Yep. You're giving them a book, you're giving them some materials. Yep. And a lot, there's a lot of like John Maxwell's example, right? A lot of times there's an activity book, yep. like a companion thing you could use as part of the text, part yep. of the curriculum. So. Absolutely. This is kind of an off the wall one, but just a breakfast bar. 
Uh, okay. Now, again, this is, we did that too. We yeah. did it. We, yeah. You got to have different stomach levels, right? For what you want to spend. But again, we're trying to look at all these things from the perspective of our prospects and our employees. And the reality of it is, guys, is that I will tell you my years of experience in the trades and, and these kinds of companies, what I saw a lot was Red Bull, Rockstar, and a pack of cigarettes. And the reality of it is, is that people, they're not great at managing their mornings or their schedules or their timelines. And we can talk about, well, if they had any level of responsibility, they'd wake up earlier, they'd do this, they'd do that. But again, we're playing the game good enough to beat the ref. Mm -hmm. So if the stats say most of your people aren't awesome about their morning routine, stop acting like you're going to expect them to be and put something into place to help them be, right? Here's the benefit. Have a breakfast bar at your shop right? Have it stocked with some breakfast burritos, some good fruit, whatever the case may be. This is not a mission impossible, but man, it's one of these things where you know your teammates are coming in. They're at least getting a good start to their day. They're throwing something in their gut along with their Red get, Bull. Get, get a couple boxes of, of a decent protein bar protein from Costco. Bar, you know? And don't get mad when you see someone stuff two of them in their pocket on the way out the door. Yeah. In fact, get really motivated because now you know your customer is not going to get a hangry ass employee. They're actually going to be ready to go and it may totally change your customer's experience. But again, really in all intents and purposes, this is a very cost-effective way for you to value and take care of your customer, your internal customer. Here's another thing. Owners, you know what's rad? Accidentally be down by the breakfast bar, grabbing a burrito when one of your technicians rolls up and take three minutes to make eye contact, shake their hand, say, man, I've been hearing a lot of good things about you. What's been going on with you? How's the kids? How's your family? Ah, I got to stop right? you though. Okay. I've be heard a lot specific. of good things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I heard X. I heard Y about you. Yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah. Like tell me what's going down with XYZ. Yeah. But again, these are not hugely expensive things but they're game changers. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of the things that we're talking about, Chris, are mutually beneficial. Yeah. These are win-win-wins, right? It feels Our good client has stuff. a better experience. It feels good to do it. You're taking care of your people. Your people feel, feel cared for and important. And some of us, you guys, the reality of it is you can't outgive a taker. There's going to be people on your team that keep taking and keep taking. They don't. They're never thankful. They're a bottomless pit. Chances are they're not going to be on the team forever. We're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about the other 90% of your employees yeah. that will see the benefit to this right. and appreciate you and the team for providing it, yeah. right? Yeah. What else you got? Well, you know, I thought it was one of the fun things that we did. Yeah, so goodie bags. I mean, we did that. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times we didn't do that on the regular. We would just spontaneously do that and periodically kind of surprise folks. I think the other thing that we did that was really fun was remember when we created like a little slush fund where people, peers could catch each other doing something cool for a customer or somebody else on the team and they could like write their name on a sheet and then that person would win like a Starbucks card or something? Yeah, Company, we had a goodie basket. Yeah. They could go to, they would get a, a token or a card. It was basically yeah. like an attaboy card or add a girl card. Yeah. And then that would entitle them yep. to go get something out of the fun basket. Right. Whether it was a $5 Starbucks card. Movie or sometimes tickets. It was like a, or... a jumbo thing of, of uh, now and laters, you know, or like yeah. candy or right. something like that. Yeah. Right. And it, those were awesome too, because peer, it was peer to peer. Yeah. Right. Again, guys, what kind of environment are we setting? 
when peers now are going out of their way to affirm one another, to be a participant in the feel good of the day, guys, this is the stuff that once it gets momentum, once it gets legs, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be the single person masterminding the entire corporate culture of your company. This is people then begin to perpetuate it on and on. And again, we're talking five bucks here, 10 bucks there. It's not huge. Yeah, it was the, I can't remember what we called it, but it was basically the the goodie bag they could draw from. So let's go back to this idea of managers, leaders coming prepared with specific bits Mm -hmm. of affirmation because this is a strategy that you just can't possibly invest too much in, right? Mm -hmm. The term that I use for that is preceding interactions with your employees. Mm -hmm. One of the ways you can do that is by, is not just with your leaders, but going straight to your frontline staff. So here's an example. We had an all company meeting once a month. Mm -hmm. It was usually toward the end. It was Mm -hmm. like the last Friday of the month. We'd bring everybody in and and we had a whole routine. And we'll probably talk about that at some point, how we leverage those. But one of the things that I like to do, and I think several of our leaders on the team did this, is when I had a downline employee over the course of that month that did something really great, or what I would do is, and it happened at kind of a team level, like not many people knew about it. We wanted to shine a light on that stuff during those opportunities. And I would go to that frontline employee, hey, listen, that thing that you and Sally did the other day for the Johnson job, listen, I'd love for you to share about that at our all company meeting this next Friday. Would you be willing to do that? Can I coach you a little bit on, here's the highlights. Like, I think if you talked about this, it's going to make the team feel really good. It'd be really encouraging for the team. Would you be willing to do that? Awesome. Okay, here's how it's going to work, right? We're going to have our announcements. We're going to get through our stuff. And then we're going to have this segment where we talk about wins. And I'm not going to call on you. I just want you to raise your hand. Like, you cool with that? All right. Okay, it's your your moment, right? And you're teaching your people how to call out the wins. Yeah, I love it. And it's so much more meaningful when you get those frontline people raising their hand on their own, quote, on their own volition, right? We prepped it. We kind of manipulated it. It's the best kind of manipulation. But it's like you manipulate one or two yeah, we're, and then you see the popcorn. Yeah, right? and ultimately what we're teaching is we're teaching our frontline people how to someday yeah. run a company. Right, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You do that a hundred times with somebody over the course of two, three years, they're ready to become your GM or your mitigation manager because they've watched all of your tactics and tricks they know how to build people up. They know how to build and They know how to build culture. They know how to build this positive working environment where people know where they stand and and they know how to call out the good people are doing. And they also know how to be clear and severe when they see stuff that doesn't align because they've watched it, they've heard it, they've felt it so many times. Dude, I love it. I love it. I think I have one more actual little tactical type idea that we could practice. I mean, maybe, maybe we should look at the finish line. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the idea of a, and this is very common, just how it's executed. I love the employee of the month and or employee of the quarter, depending on company size, Mm. right? If you're a big organization, you got lots of employees, employee of the month is probably great. For us smaller teams, you do that three times and you've gone through your roster, right? So here's, here's something to think about with the employee of the quarter. And it might be something that ties into some of these other things that we've mentioned is when we affirm and see 
these types of behaviors, actions, focuses, peer accountability that we love, like we love it, right? Let's get our teammates, our leadership team, tokens, coins, tickets, whatever the case may be that we hand to that employee. Again, we're clear and severe. Hey, saw you do XYZ. Man, that was monster. I love it. Here's a token. Your name's going in the hat. And then what we would do is we would go out and buy a big screen TV and a PS5, okay? Or a Traeger barbecue, whatever. And this thing sits in the company office, out in the shop, and all the eyeballs are on it for one month, two months, three months as the team's walking around doing their business and they're getting these coins and names are going into the hat, right? And then boom, it's that particular end of the quarter all company meeting or whatever that we do our drawing from all those that earned their name in the hat. And someone's walking out of the building that day with the 50 inch TV dude with something rad. Right. And here's what I really love about that is this is the kind of stuff that for those who like resources are not unlimited. right? Right. And the idea that a dad or a mom, okay. For the most part might be living Friday to Friday has a couple kids at home. Imagine what it feels like. I get, I get kind of choked up thinking about it. Imagine what it feels like to equip one of your employees to walk home with a, a big screen TV and a PS5 for their two kids. Wow. Right? It feels. So it's like, again, we're just talking about things that perpetuate these wins across multiple fronts yeah. within your organization. But it's like, you did just a little something to promote this consistent following of behaviors and tactics that you want to see within your organization. You equipped people to recognize each other and put their name in the hat. And then you equipped one of your employees to walk home with a freaking awesome surprise that they under normal conditions may very well not have had the financial resource to provide. And then they look like a superhero. Yeah. Right? Like... That parent, that dad, that mom coming home with this amazing gift and sharing that with their kids, they're the hero. Yeah. They're the hero. And that's part of the point of this. So again, asking yourself this question, I'm trying to attract good employees to my team. I'm trying to hire good people. When you're equipping your employees to go home and be superheroes Mm. in front of their kids, do you not think that that's creating a level of commitment and loyalty to you and your brand that goes far beyond you check the box that you provided some medical benefits. Like this is the kind of stuff we're talking about here. And guys, okay, Costco right now for a 50 inch TV is what? It's a few hundred bucks. You're not doing this every day, right? But these are super impactful things if we're intentional, if we're proactive, and if we're consistent. Yeah. with what we're doing with these things. But man, we've we've had a lot of fun with scenarios like that. A lot of fun. Yeah. And it's the stuff that we think about now. Oh man. You know, like years yeah. later. Yeah. It's like I can I can still remember the look on people's faces when they realized they'd won. And it's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Yeah. And it is. Sometimes it was fun to watch four people try to carry someone's prize out to their car and figure out how they're going to stuff it into the back seat, right? That's like, so true. it's all rad. It, it all creates wins. Okay, dude. Well, let's uh, we wrap it. Give us a summary. Okay. Here's this one. This one's all over the place, but here's, here's what I'm taking from this current climate. It's rough. We got lots of things affecting our ability to recruit and keep good people. 
we need to do a better job of asking ourselves the question, why our company? Why would someone want to work for me, work for us, wear this shirt? And we have to get over this mind block of, well, they're getting good hours. They're getting decent pay. Well, this is what they're paid to do. Stop fooling yourself. Mm. Take the time and do yourself and your organization the service it requires and say, if I was answering this question from my employee's perspective and you're looking for a win through their eyes, not yours. And we're not discounting your background, your experience, or the realities of running and owning a business. But you're not recruiting yourself. You're already there. So really asking ourselves this question, And understanding that the the check-the-box stuff that does cost us a lot of money that's hard to provide is not necessarily the differentiator. Mm. So what are you going to do? What are the kinds of things that you can do within your organization? What are the steps that you can take? What are the things that you can prioritize to not only get people on the team, but to keep them there, right? And those things can be creative, right? It's like, I don't don't need to relist these ideas, but be creative. Have fun with it. And remember... When you were a $15, $18, $25, $30 an hour person, what would you have enjoyed, right? Take stock of your people. These are often folks Friday to Friday. What do they need? What could they use? What makes them happy? What makes them look awesome to their families, their friends, their peers? And then really lastly, and the most important, is that it's not the thing. The point is, how do you make your people feel working for you? Yeah. How do you make the people on your team feel? Do they feel trusted, valued, wanted? Do they feel like they're participating in the journey? Because those people want other people to come experience what they're experiencing. I know we try not to do this summary and then jump back into podcasts, but I have this this thought, this screaming in my head Mm -hmm. that I feel like is really relevant to this, that is maybe okay for us to kind of end on. One of the things that our employees are looking to us for is safety, man. They want to be protected. Yeah. The good ones, our best employees, Mm -hmm. they want to be protected from the drama and bullshit that comes up in our business. Man. And one of the things that I know we've been guilty of at times, and we've seen the fallout from it. When we as leaders make a decision to keep a toxic person on our team because they're filling an essential role. Boo. We're harming the rest of our team. Period. And we're creating an unsafe place that our best people just have to deal with. We're also sending a really clear message, certainly one that we probably don't intend to, but we're sending a really clear message about how much we really value our people and our culture and the customer experience we give. Because when we decide to keep somebody who's toxic, either to fellow employees or to customer relationships, what we're saying is that ultimately the money's more important. Keeping these jobs flowing, keeping those invoices coming in, that's ultimately more important than all the rest of the awesome people that just have to put up with that toxic person that's making everybody's life miserable. So I just feel like this conversation would be remiss if we didn't address that because it's a common, yeah. common occurrence in our business. Oh, it's in anybody's business. In anybody's yeah. business, right? We put up with that rotten mitigation tech or that AR person that all they do is complain yeah. and 
gossip and whatever the situation is, yeah. if we are not dealing with that and keeping the rest of our employees safe, yeah. it's going to be really difficult for us to uh, win their trust yeah. um, and really win them over. Love it. Okay. That's a wrap, man. All right. Goodbye. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the MRM Podcast. And if you got something out of it, share it with a friend. Hit subscribe, hit follow, leave us a five-star review. Thanks a lot.